Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com and Horwat. I am irrationally excited for today, Thursday, September 15th, because at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the rookies have you, but the Pittsburgh Penguins will take the ice for an official practice at UPMC Lemieux Complex in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. I don't know the postal code, but I would say it. I'm irrationally excited that starting today and from now on, there are organized team activities and there are going to be stories coming out of the Pittsburgh Penguins organization every single day until next June. It is finally back. I'm deeming it finally back. Hockey season is here. It is here. And do you want the exact address of the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex? Because it is 8,000 Cranberry Springs Drive, Cranberry Township, PA. Here's why I said, do you want to hear it? Because it, the the uh, code is 16066. Gotta love it. I, they made that up for that. But you know what? It fits. It works. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. The UPMC, the Lemieux UPMC Complex couldn't be in a more perfect area. Good old seven fields. My boss actually just had a procedure done there. So it is more than just hockey, obviously. We all know this. But, mm-hmm. yeah, welcome to, welcome back to hockey season. The rookies are here. The professionals are here, too, but in a less regimented fashion. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting. I've never been inside that building. That ends next week. I will be inside that building both Friday and Saturday for Pittsburgh Penguins practices. As long as they're scheduled, the, the schedule for training camp hasn't come out yet. And so I definitely we'll have, have to... to come up Friday. I'm working like 12 hours the next 12 days. I'll try and take some time off and get up Friday for you. So we shall see how that pans out. But let's talk about rookie camp. We're also going to touch on Evan Rodriguez a little bit later, so stay tuned for that. And we're going to look at the Penguins' first 10 games of the season and break down how we see that going as of right now, of course, very early in mid-September. But let's start with rookie camp because it begins today. Practice starts at 10 a.m. Eastern time, like I mentioned. Saturday, they have a game for the rookie showcase against the Boston Bruins at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. And this camp will run through next Tuesday before Wednesday becomes media day for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Thursday, the big boys are on the ice as regular training camp begins for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But what we want to do here in this first segment is is really tell you our player that we're keying in on at rookie camp. I know not everybody knows 
who these players are heading into rookie camp, but I do want us to each give a player that we're going to be watching and following throughout this entire process from today, day one of rookie camp, all the way through training camp until they most likely, inevitably, get sent down to either Wilkes-Barre or their junior team. So Horwat, who are you keying in on? There's so many names to all that everyone should be keeping an eye on. Valtteri Pusin comes to mind. Lucas Feshkowski comes to mind. Um, someone that I found shocking, I totally forgot about this entire time, and he's on the rookie camp roster again, is Josh Maniscalco. I thought he um, had an opportunity to really become something last season, uh, but it fell through. He was put all the way down to the E, uh, but he's back up here for another chance. But I'm going to zero in on Sam and I think I talked about him a lot last week, wrote a story about how um, – He's got a lot to prove here. He's already been recognized by the team itself as uh, one of the key rookies in being sent to the NHLPA Rookie Showcase. Um, this is his time. It's his time to really take over as the top, as one of the top prospects in this organization like he has been for the past couple seasons. We know things fell off, uh, we, but we know things kind of got back on track, and it is his turn and his time to be the leader of the prospects and makes make some noise in both rookie camp because he is at rookie camp but also in the professional camp he's got his opportunities uh, he just has to take advantage of them and fulfill them and prove what he can be with this team I think the biggest thing when you talk about Poulin is he is the only I mean him and now Owen Pickering are the only first round draft picks in that Penguins prospect system the only first round draft picks that will be in attendance at Penguins rookie camp yeah yeah so it's it's an honor, but it's also a responsibility, and I think Sam Poulin is well aware of that three years into his tenure with the Penguins organization, and, and last year you really saw it ramp up where the speculation about is he a bust or is he going to be a good NHL player, it really started because of that slow start. We've talked about it ad nauseum. I don't need to get into it again, but it's, it's really a boomer bust preseason here for Sam Poulin to either show that he's going to be a difference maker at some point this season. He doesn't have to make the team out of camp. Or if he's going to be another year of, we'll see if he can continue his upward trajectory and maybe next year, kid. Like, this is an important time for Poulin to show off what he's made of against the NHL guys. I mean, not obviously at rookie camp, but really what you're looking for at rookie camp as you're keying in on him. Is he the guy that everybody's saying, yeah, he's above and beyond a lot of the guys here. He is that much better than a lot of the guys here. And that's what you want from Sam Poulin. I don't know if I will particularly see it because... I think there's some other guys at training camp and at rookie camp that are going to look really good. Like, there's a couple of guys that I'm very excited to watch. There's only one guy I'm going to say I'm keying in on. There's also another defenseman that I'm going to keep an eye on because I'm a little curious to see what he's able to do in this situation. I really haven't paid too much attention to him before this summer. But the guy I'm going to key in on the most is, and you mentioned him already, Lucas Fedkovsky because he's heading into his first pro season he was a fourth rounder in the 2020 draft for the Pittsburgh Penguins. His ceiling this year, to me, is what we saw Valtteri Pustinen be able to do last season. Pustinen came into last year kind of under the radar, heading into his first pro season with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Jesse Marshall, friend of the show from The Athletic, came onto this program and said, one of the guys you really need to watch out for this season is Valtteri Pustinen. He was killing it in Europe. He's going to kill it this year in, in Wilkes-Barre. He's a guy that is high offensive upside, and he's a guy that is going to make a lot of waves in the AHL. That's what that's what Jesse Marshall said on this show last year about Pustinen. 
I'm saying it this year about Svedkovsky because he brings a lot of the same attributes. The guy has a really good offensive upside. He is a really good skater, and he's heading into that first pro season where he's going to get the light shined on him a little bit more than he was before with the Medicine Hat Tigers. So if he ends up doing what Pustinen did, which Pustin led the team, or at least shared the lead for the team in points last year in the AHL. If Svedkovsky does that, that's best case scenario. And all of a sudden you have two of those guys that jumped right to the top of your forward leaderboard. But I'm going to be keying in on him all season long, starting, of course, in an hour and 21 minutes when he takes the ice at rookie camp. But I'm very excited to see where his progression goes. And if all all goes well, if he ends up having that pustin in first season, we're going to be talking about Svedkovsky next year as a top five forward prospect for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's already probably in the top 10, but really now is when he starts to make his name in professional hockey. Yeah, it's, now is the time for him as well. I think any of these rookies are uh, that we know we will see eventually in the NHL, i.e. Svedkovsky, mm-hmm. Pustinen again, maybe Philip Hollander. These are all guys that have great opportunities in this upcoming camp and someone we should all be keeping eyes on for the future and into how they look going forward. Uh, Svetkoski, I mean, he's another one that you'd think that the ceiling being the Pustin and type is absolutely perfect for him. Uh, he's only 20 years old, so we'll see how things take him, but I think uh, he's another player much like, like like when you keep going back to Pustin, because that's a great, exa- great comparison. The time is now for him to crack the NHL, show what he can do. Maybe it's just a game or two, but get that call, get that opportunity, and get that game under your belt so you can continue to progress as a player in uh, both the AHL and then eventually full-time in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Svedkovsky get on the first power play unit for Saturday's game. I'm not sure he will because, you know, you got guys like Nathan Legare, guys like Sam Poulins, guys like Valtteri Pustinen, who we're always mentioning. Those guys will probably end up being on power play unit one, but maybe give them a chance on a power play unit two, get them like 30 seconds out there if the Penguins are able to get on the man advantage. I want to see what he's able to do in a game situation in that unit because, you know, obviously he has great offensive upside, as we've noted, as everybody that had covered the prospect development camp back in July, I believe, noted. So I'm excited to see Svedkovsky. I'm excited to see what he does this season. This is a guy that I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not somebody that follows along with minor league hockey, I will be talking about him a lot this year. Whether it's good or bad, I will be talking about Lucas Fedkovsky a lot this year. So those are the guys that both of us are are keying in on. That's the guys that we suggest you key in on, obviously. You don't have to take that suggestion because... It's just what it is. Uh, but you say Sam Poulin. I say Lucas Fedkovsky. I did want to mention a defenseman because I figured both of us would be looking at a forward. One defenseman that I don't know what he's going to be, and neither do the Penguins really. Young guy, doesn't get talked about very much. Fifth rounder in the 2021 NHL draft, Isaac Beliveau. He's a six foot two defenseman. Dude has size. Dude has a pretty good skating ability. And if you look at some of his uh, highlights from last year, He can play pretty physical, but a lot of his game is built around being able to move the puck, being able to play in the offensive zone. And even though he had a down season last year when it comes to offensive production in the QMJHL, I'm interested to see if he bounces back on that, especially considering a lot of people had issues last season in juniors bouncing off of the COVID season where not a lot of people played a lot. So I want to see what Beliveau is able to do in this camp. If he's able to distinguish himself 
in a defensive locker room that has a lot of a lot of tall guys. Like before, you used to say in the Penguins organization, oh, they're six foot two. They're going to stand out like a sore thumb on the ice. But now you look at what Brian Burke and Ron Hextall have done. They're adding those big bodies. Owen Pickering is six foot four. He might be the only guy that stands out anymore, and he's 18 years old. So seeing Beliveau get out there with that big frame, seeing if he's able to show that offensive ability, to show that skating ability and that puck handling ability, that's what I'm looking for from Beliveau. I'm not going to key in on him as much as I'm going to key in on a guy like Spekovsky, but I want to keep an eye out for Isaac Beliveau the next couple of days. That's a good choice, too. I'm just now realizing that um, this rookie camp roster also has last season stats, so if you want to really get into it, Isaac Beliveau last season in the queue in 67 games had 38 points. I mean, mm-hmm. that's looking positive. Also, what? who is this... Hannes Clay, by the or Clay Hannes, by the way, uh, in the W had seventy four points on the blue line. Hey man, hey. suddenly we have all kind of people to watch. Once I start looking at stats, just because numbers speak sometimes, <laughs> doesn't matter sometimes. the league you're in. Seventy four points from the blue line is quite impressive. They have the uh, the draft there too. The draft stock was he drafted by the Pittsburgh no. Penguins at all? No, I didn't think so. It doesn't sound like he uh, somebody that was familiar. So he's an un- undrafted free agent or. Maybe somebody that was invite. drafted. Uh, I don't know. Invite. There's no information. Invite. Well, we'll have to do some uh, some digging. That's some poor uh, poor Big J journalism from us here at the tip of the iceberg. But I also wasn't ta- expecting uh, to talk about Clay Hannes. No. Is that his name? Yeah, I got it backwards because I forgot it was last name, first name. Yeah, Clay Hannes, 21 years old from Portland in the WHL. Uh, a left shot defenseman. I'll oh, forget that. Never mind. Got plenty of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also, it's also uh, 5'10", Portland he's got no chance. The last uh, the last guy from the Portland Winterhawks that I remember coming to the Penguins organization was Mike Johnston. Uh, I'm sure there's one in between, but that didn't go so well. So, you know, Clay Hannis, we apologize for not knowing who you are. We're going to keep an eye on you in the next couple of days, and we wish you all the best. But, uh, you know, uh, not starting off on the right foot coming from Portland, and that's obviously a joke because the Winterhawks are a great WHL uh, organization. <laughs> But uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, when we return, we kind of we kind of foresaw it. We, we, we kind of, I don't know why, I guess we had a feeling Evan Rodriguez has signed to a contract. We'll talk about that right after the break here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Berlansky here with Horwat, and, you know, we talked about him on Monday. We said, we don't really think he's going to be a PTO guy. We think he's going to sign a real contract, and little did we know, about an hour later, before I could even get the full episode out, thankfully we didn't spend an entire 
segment talking about this, but before we could even get the episode out, Evan Rodriguez signs a one-year, $2 million deal with the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. I think everybody was in agreement on social media, certainly from Penguins pundits, that this is a great deal for a guy like Evan Rodriguez for the Colorado Avalanche. A really nice piece to add to a team that's going to try and become the third back-to-back champion in the Stanley Cup and, and salary cup area, I should say. Yeah, it's he signed a good deal. He signed a deal that I think we were all expecting, right? Yeah, I mean, I said last last week, I said, you know what? Probably like the $2 million he was making when he first showed up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. Perfect prediction there. The timing was a bit off, but we weren't expecting that. But hey, no, I knew he wasn't. We all knew he wasn't going to get a PTO. His numbers were good enough to say, hey, the man doesn't deserve to be trying out for a team. Look at these numbers. Now, as I would continue to go into, well, look closer at the numbers. Look at when they happened. Steve Dangle, actually, ironically, of all people, um, talked about it perfectly on his podcast. He said, if you look at them thoroughly, you see that he had a white-hot couple months. And he did. He was automatic. And then it was a bunch of, whoa, invisibleness for a while Mm -hmm. in the back end that I always bring up. And then he came back for a little bit in the postseason. So I do think that maybe what held it off for so long was that back half. He had to find the right deal that fit in the right team in the right situation. Uh, Because that's another thing, too, that people don't realize when it comes to signing contracts. You're not just signing a deal with a team to make money or to play with a certain team. It needs to be the right situation. Mm -hmm. You have to like the team you're going to. You have to like, you know, maybe you don't like the city for some reason. I don't know. Maybe some vibes didn't speak to you whenever you were there visiting. You know what I mean? The situation has to be right. He has a family. You got to move the family out there. You have to figure out situations. And then if you really are moving a family out there, well, one-year deals can only do so much with so now you're looking for a rental property maybe you know there's it's more than just signing a contract to play with a team there is all kind of stuff that goes on behind the scenes but also this is exactly what we expected the one-year deal for because he's not the greatest player in the world we know that mm-hmm. he is going to be a little streaky still now at two million dollars you just hope i mean just it's a year you just hope he doesn't regress to the not the bubble year you hope he doesn't regress yeah. to the bubble year where it's, hey, he's healthy, scratched half the time. Hey, he's only playing in one playoff game, and not, yeah. You want you want you want the current Evan Rodriguez, the one where he can be white hot at times, and that's really good for your team. Plus, he can play anywhere, wing, center. I think I touched on that. He mm-hmm. can play literally anywhere in that lineup, mm-hmm. and up and down the lineup too. He can go from fourth line to first line in, in a matter of seconds. We saw it with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, a couple things, obviously. You know, when you talk about where he could live, when Tyson Berry was traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs, he just let Nazem Kadri move right in. Now that Kadri's out of town, maybe Evan Rodriguez, we just keep siphoning through in that apartment. Siphoning through NHLers. So maybe uh, Evan Rodriguez can uh, contact Tyson Berry and try to get a sublet from him. But uh, no, he's literally the definition of boom or bust. Either he booms like he did in the first half, or he busts like he did in the second half, or he booms again like he did in the playoffs. Now, the big thing about him is you mentioned he can play center, wing, fourth line, first line, all of that. Uh, guess what? He can also do power play, penalty kill. He can do everything. He is literally the the Sean Rodriguez 
of the Pittsburgh Penguins last year, which is the utility, the super utility man, and something about that name in Pittsburgh. Luckily, Erod never beat the crap out of a Gatorade cooler. Not none that we're aware of. That that we're aware of. They're also not, you know, maybe he threw a Gatorade bottle, but n- nothing against a cooler. Man, I forgot Sean Rodriguez existed. I will never forget Sean Rod. But uh, we'll we'll move on here. Congratulations to Evan Rodriguez on getting an actual contract. We all kind of saw it coming, and it's going to be fun to watch him on that Colorado Avalanche team. Uh, you know, it, it, I think he's probably, you know, I don't know if he'll put up the 19 or 18 goals that he did last season, but he's over a 10-goal guy. He's a guy that I think is going to end up around uh, 15 on the year, especially for that offense yeah, he's in Colorado. Playing with that offense, playing with a decent center or winger, depending on where he lands that night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he could put up some pretty decent numbers something he'll he'll earn that two million dollars that's for sure mm-hmm. so what we're gonna do right now is play a game of hot or not how will the penguins begin the season looking at the first 10 games of the year of course we are exactly four weeks from today away from the opener against the arizona coyotes the biz bowl as people are are dubbing it is the penguins and the coyotes on opening night for the pittsburgh penguins october 13th four weeks away from today there's no chance let's start here there's no chance they lose that opener right so there is just because the penguins are notoriously in recent memory not great at winning home openers they let the buffalo sabers rain on their banner parade i think that was bad I think they let the capitals do it in overtime uh, they, they beat the Capitals. We went to that game. It was a 7-6 to six game or something. As it seemed like a downtrot, but okay, yes. I'm trying to remember years following. It's I only remember the banner-raising nights, but that, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it is possible we lose, but it is this specific Arizona Coyotes team, so I'm going yeah. to give us a win. Um, mm-hmm. Get off on the right foot for once. I'd have to look back and wonder. I'd have to actually look into that, how good or bad we are in home openers. Last year in the home opener, the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first period just drove Marc Andre Fleury out of the net. That's the Chicago right. Blackhawks. Forgot about that mm-hmm. one. So I, I, honestly, like you said, they have known to drop a dud and lay an egg from time to time in the home opener. They did it against the Sabers. That's the most notorious one that I can remember. On a banner raising night, you lose three to one to the Buffalo Sabers. The only goal was scored by Evgeny Malkin. They're really and the thing is, it's not like the Sabers shut them down. They really just did not look good at all, and that was the issue. I, I do think there's a, a 90% chance they don't lay a stinker against this Arizona Coyotes team. I mean, this is a team that, for the most part, is trying not to win this year. I mean, we, obviously, I don't want to bring up anything about their arena because that's out of the players' control, but when you look at that roster, there's very little that inspires competitive hockey throughout the entirety of the season. And when you look at the Penguins roster, last year... They went undermanned into Tampa Bay on a banner-raising night, as you mentioned, and they absolutely dominated the Tampa Bay Lightning. What's going to happen this year when they have Crosby, Malkin, and Gensel knock on wood? All for that opener against the Arizona Coyotes. I think it's going to be a really fun night, and I think especially when you consider going into the summer, people didn't know if they were going to see Crosby, Malkin, and Latang again. This will basically be the kickoff of the end the end era, the, the last dance but it's like six-year dance. Like, that's that's what we're kicking off here in Pittsburgh on October 13th. I think it's going to be a fun night, and I'm hoping they get a win because uh, that's the first game I'll have gone to in over two years. Yeah, and as I'm looking through, I'm getting all of the games confused. We did lose the Buffalo in a home opener, but it wasn't the banner night. That being said, 
Uh, Arizona, there's not much to be hopeful about. Yeah. Yeah, we shall see uh, what they're able to do there. We mentioned the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let me pull the schedule up here for those people watching us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. Here's the calendar. Obviously, the first month is nine games on the slate. The last one, the 10th one that we're going to talk about, is November 1st against the Boston Bruins at home. That will be the beginning of a back-to-back. I believe Buffalo is the second half of that there. But game two, Penguins Lightning on Saturday. That's going to be a fun one. Gotta love Saturday night hockey against Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, that'll be a hard one. That'll be a difficult one. That's That team is, no matter who's on it, they're going to play hard. They're going to have Vasilevsky in net, assuming they're not playing the night before. It's early in the season for that. Um, that'll be a difficult one. I don't know if we can handle that yet. Uh, I don't know. I, when I look at this schedule, and I'll ask you for yours as well, you have the Western Canada road trip on the third week of the right season, away. which is a that's a tough draw, but at the same time, you can get it over with, which is kind of nice too. Uh, I think if you ask the players, they they really don't care. But uh, it'll be a good early road trip to get the team to be. I mean, not that the team isn't already basically all the same as last year, but they'll get to build their chemistry over that five game road trip starting in Columbus on October twenty second and running the whole way through. Seattle one week later. But when I look at this, I think there's a chance that the Pittsburgh Penguins finish their first 10 games of the season with eight wins. Hmm. I think they actually start 5-0. and Oh, okay. That is, that, is, that is my bold prediction. I, I think they win the first five games of the season. We already talked about Arizona and Tampa at home. I think they beat Montreal on the road. I think they come back and beat the Kings. And then I think they start that road trip off with a victory against Johnny G and the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm just trying to like flip through my head here. I could see us going, what did you say? I said 5-0 and oh yes. after the first five games, and they finish 8-2 and two in the first 10. I'm around 7-3 and three and 8-2 and two as well. Maybe an overtime loss slips in there somewhere. So, yeah, yeah I, like, I like those predictions. Just because, yes, there are some very good teams in this uh, in this little walk around here. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the Kings are up and coming still. The Columbus Blue Jackets are always an animal for us, and adding Johnny Goudreau doesn't help. Um, and the the Oilers and Flames, where now they're great teams, but I mean, the Flames got new chemistry to build up, and then the Oilers, I mean, have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but we play them well. Mm-hmm. I could see 7-3, and three, maybe 7-2-1. and one. I don't know about 8. 8 seems a little high especially for early in the season five and oh also seems a little high i love the idea but uh Mm -hmm. i think it's just a little difficult to start off that white hot but uh i do partially agree with the eight and two part Mm -hmm. for me i think the big thing that i'm looking at is this is a team where Evgeny malkin has been disrespected a good bit in media over the entire Mm -hmm. summer so, and we're going to see it too with the NHL networks releasing their top 50 players. Is that what it is? Top 50. And you said from, from the looks of it, Malkin might be left out of the top 50. If the order remains the way it is, he's not going to be in the top 50 because 50 and 41 respectively were Jack Hughes and uh, Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. Who were both ahead of him on the centers list. So 
We'll have to keep an eye out for that. And listen, we don't know if Evgeny Malkin cares about that stuff, but it is bulletin board material for, for a guy that is very competitive in Evgeny Malkin. So I think he comes out on a house of fire. I think Sidney Crosby is always as good as Sidney Crosby is. I, I think when you get a healthy guys like Jason Zucker back healthy, when you get healthy guys like Dan Heinen and Kasperi Kapanen with a lot to prove, I think they're going to get off to a really good start against Arizona. And it's just going to snowball from there. Now, the, the big game, obviously, is Tampa Bay early. And then that back-to-back -back against Edmonton and Calgary on the road is tough. That's where I think losses will definitely come, is that Western Canada road trip. Because it's it's a tough road trip to win three out of four games. I think they end up splitting it two and two. Whether that's taking one from each back-to-back -back, or whether that's taking two games against Vancouver and Seattle and not having any victories in Alberta. But it's going to be a very tough start to the season for the Penguins. But I do feel like the way they're heading into the year, they're going to get off to a, a hot start because they know they need it. They know that, hey, we're not going to be as well-rested as we are now for the entire season. Let's go out there. Let's get our best foot forward. And you saw how they started last season with all those injuries. I think they start in a similar fashion this year with everybody healthy on the lineup. I think so too. I mean, like like we mentioned, everyone's going to be healthy going into the season. There, I don't think there are any COVID restrictions going on this year, except for maybe if you get it, you don't play. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the Alberta swing is going to be hard. We know Seattle's not the easy, not the hardest team yet, but who knows if they're going to pop off for a new season? It's a new year. Yeah. Every team has different has has changes. For all we know, Montreal could explode and be one of the best teams in the league this year. And we played them third. We're already seeing the growth of the Kings uh, starting last season. They beat us last year, so who knows if that can continue into this year as well. Uh, it's not going to be an easy stretch to start. No game is going to be easy this year. No. So the more we look at these schedules, I think it is, I think it is, it is absolutely fun trying to predict stuff like this. Um, but it is also very hard because... I mean, you forget. I mean, there's been so a lot, quite a few changes this offseason. I forget who's on which team. I barely remember Johnny <laughs> Goudreau was on that team. I went into talking about Calgary without even mentioning the fact that they have a completely new lineup. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what these new teams look like, um, which is pushing me to go toward the 7-3 and three again. Yeah. And I think at worst, the Pittsburgh Penguins end up 5-5. Five and five. Yeah. They end yeah. up 500. Yeah, because that's we're slow starters notoriously. But mm -hmm. uh, we need to pick something up somewhere, and it's got to be early on. It's important to be yeah. good early. And but late. the problem with yeah, with five and five, I don't think the Montreal Canadiens are, are gonna surprise everybody. I also don't think the uh, Arizona Coyotes are gonna surprise anyone. So there's there's two to me fairly cut and dry victories for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And at the end of all this, we we mentioned it's the Boston Bruins. You look at Boston; they're heading into the season with some issues. Uh, Brad Marchand is not going to be available. This is a team that's bringing back David Krejci, bringing back Patrice Bergeron. I think Bergeron might... No, Bergeron's not hurt, but uh, Pasternak might be. I, I don't know. Their, their whole situation is weird. I think the Boston Bruins are a healthy candidate to drop out of the playoffs this season. So that's another one where the Penguins playing the Bruins at home. That'll be on TNT because every Bruins game is going to be nationally televised, and that's a Tuesday night. So I, I think the Penguins show out at home against the Bees. So I, I see at worst five and five, at best eight and two, and a five and zero oh start is the best case scenario that I can see. Obviously, going for the Penguins doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, 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 it doesn't. Because again, notoriously slow starters. 
I mean, yeah. some of those games that I looked back on when I was trying to find some information on uh, home openers. I forgot we also lost 10-1 to to Chicago one year. That wasn't at home, but damn, we're slow starters yeah. sometimes. Yeah, that was uh, that was rough. Good old uh, Anti Niemi. Also, I was about to say that was Anti Niemi, wasn't it? And that wasn't the ho- the opener, was no, it? No, it was like the day after the home opener because the NHL decided to screw us that year and give us two games in the first two days of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do remember that loss. Uh, I was in a six to nine class in college, and I was watching it on my iPad, and I turned it. I off. I was on my couch drinking a Blue Moon, thinking this is terrible. Yeah, well, it was it was. 8 o'clock at night, and I was in class, so I was already upset. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to finish off the show with our shout-outs and call-outs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We're going to finish the show off the right way, as we always do on a Thursday, with our shout-outs and call-outs. Horowitz, since you look so hyped with that little dance you did there for everybody watching on YouTube.com, uh, let's let you lead it off, and let's start with call-outs. Let's get, our, let's get our bad juju out in the open to start this episode off. Cool, I want to because I do want to call it. I forgot the story happened. It happened, I think, a like two weeks ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone in the Duquesne neighborhood in Pittsburgh decided it would be a good idea to take their... I think it was a... No. They decided to take their snake on a walk. Oh. Uh, it was a python. They decided to nope. take their python on... Their albino pythons, it was like pale white, on a walk. And guess what? It got away. So, and I have heard no updates since it first got out. Uh, so there, for all I know, there could still be just a random white python just slithering around the city of Pittsburgh. Um, listen, I am already a little skeeved out whenever I meet people who own reptiles yeah. in general. Snakes specifically. If you have one of those little bearded dragons, so be it. Uh, but snakes specifically. And listen, man, just, you, you wanted to take it on a walk? First of all, they don't walk. Second, you wanted to take your snake on a walk? What did you think was going to happen? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know, man. Plus, snakes, we know snakes just freak everyone out. Yeah, I'm... It's not the biggest uh, snake ever, but, I mean, still, it's horrifying to just see a random white snake just in public. You're just going about your day, and, hey, look, there's a snake. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, do, were you... When I forget when these were. Were you still uh, down here whenever... There were gators in the river because some. Yes. Oh my god. Because yes, I was. Someone decided their pet gator got too big, and they said, "Okay, they live in water. Here's a river." Can we? Man, people are weird owning these reptiles. But yeah, don't take your snakes on walks. If you have a snake, fine, whatever. Just leave it in the cage. Maybe let it around your house. I don't know. I don't Outside know. is a bad idea. And now there's a snake somewhere in the city. I don't care how big it is. I don't care if it is a domesticated snake, which there is no such thing. I hate snakes. 
That is, is, I hate snakes. Like, spiders, I can do spiders, because I can just kill the spider. <laughs> I can't. Like, yeah, I can, I just smash the crap out of a spider. The snake, first of all, the things move a lot faster than you think. Second of all, anything that moves that fast, but has no legs, is just a spawn of Satan. Which is why they're called Satan serpents. So, you know what? If you own a snake, I'm not going to be able to be friends with you. Like, like, good on you. I hope you have a wonderful life. But don't don't come to me looking for friendship if you own a, a fanged little serpent demon a, in your house. Like, I'm not, one, I'm never going to come visit. Two, I'm never going to really want to talk to you because I'm going to think there's something wrong with you. Because I absolutely hate snakes. So, hearing that, I might have to change my plans. I'm not coming to Pittsburgh for another year <laughs> or until that snake is brought to justice fair i will say i my aunt's stepson had a snake once now they kept it they named it monty i remember monty they kept it in the cage almost Screw at monty. all times almost at all times the only time they took it out is to like scare people which yeah if you're gonna have a snake you're gonna st- you're gonna scare people and as long as it's inside the facility nope. of your house nope. i will say though watching those things eat is horrifying because they stu- they did it they they did, they put the they put the little mouse in there and said all right I was like seven or eight they said watch this scarring it was scarring because you see it kind of just line up and we all know how snakes eat it's so quick just got it and it's like all and the whole mouse is already just wrapped up it's it's mentally scarring forever and uh, you see a snake in public um, man do something about it I'm gonna go the other way. I'm going to go the other way. My, my fiance knows if we see a snake in public, listen, I will protect you from as much as I can. But a snake, you better learn to run fast from a snake because I am not going to stand in front of a snake. Oh, I'm, I'm down bad for when anybody. there's a bee around. So. But there's a bee? Yes, I'm Again, things you can squash or you can kill with your hat. Like, that's, that's the big thing. My hat has killed so many insects, spiders, bees, flies, whatever. I don't care. That's small and I can kill it. A snake, with it's unpredictable. So... I, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna get in to uh, uh, we're down a rabbit hole but so so are snakes but my call out this week is uh, Lovey Smith obviously I love Lovey Smith longtime Bears head coach forgot he was in the league got a head coaching job with the Houston Texans and listen good on him good on the Houston Texans they're gonna be a fun team to watch this year they're one of my best bets to cover spreads when they're underdogs because I think they're gonna be in games all year long, and we saw that last Sunday. They tied the Indianapolis Colts, the odds-on favorite to win the AFC South, but they could have won, and that's why I'm calling him out. He punted on a fourth and three from the Indianapolis Colts 49-yard line with 20 with 20 seconds left in overtime. The, t- the Texans are not going to make the playoffs this year. I don't care what anybody says. If they make the playoffs, there's something wrong in the AFC because there are so many much better teams. No offense to the Texans. There are so many better teams in the AFC. Like, the entire AFC West should make the playoffs. There, that leaves, what, one spot or whatever. But punting on fourth and three from the other team's side of the field. Like, I get you don't want to be like, oh, if we go for it and miss it, they have 15 seconds to go 20 yards challenge them to do that one trust your defense a little bit two what are you reserving what are you happy with this tie for i hate when there's ties in football to begin with because that just makes everything unnecessarily like it's very easy to to figure out but it makes things unnecessarily complicated when trying to look at the standings day after day but 
punting on a fourth and three from the other team's side of the field just because, yeah, we'll take the tie over over going for the win. Like, a la Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. So what are you doing, Lovey Smith? Like, I love him as a coach. I'm excited to watch the Texans. I'm going to bet on the Texans a lot this year as underdogs to cover the spread, but... That is just, uh, that's an awful mentality. It's a Mickey Mouse mentality, if you ask me. I just wish he would have gone for it a little bit more. And uh, you see what happened in Pittsburgh. People were going for it all the live long day, and somebody eventually won it with four seconds left in overtime. A little Mike Tomlin syndrome there, just punting on uh, probably a makeable play. It's better than Joe Judge running a QB sneak from his own three-yard line on second down last year. Man, football is back, and we're angry at small plays. Plus, the one week one ties out of the way. So, hey, we, we know there'll be no more ties in the NFL this year, right? Nope, there there probably will be. Yeah, probably will be just because I hate ties. It's it's fun that they're rare, and it's, damn, your sport ends in a tie? Hmm, sorry. <laughs> NHL used to do that, but. Hey, they don't need more. Oh, well. That's why I'm saying it. <laughs> Nonetheless, let's move over to our shout-outs, Horwat. Who are you praising this week? Or who who made you happy this week? Let's go with that. Uh, Let's see. How do I put this? So this whole all Friday and Saturday, I was kind of away from everything because I was at Four Chord Music Festival. So I want to shout out uh, Richie Ball. If anyone from the Pittsburgh area is into music, first of all, listen to, listen to his band, Eternal Boy. Secondly, um, he puts on this music festival every year in Pittsburgh now. Uh, it's pretty much like a non-touring warp tour, and you know what? That's what it felt like all day for me, uh, being back, just popping from from one stage to another, watching live music, um, being around the vendors, being around some good friends, and just having a good time with uh, live music again. It felt awesome. Mm-hmm. Richie's been doing this was the eighth one, but COVID, so I think it's like the ten, ninth or tenth year he's been doing it. Um, he's had some big bands. This past year, he had Bad Religion for those old punk heads, Pennywise. Uh, mm-hmm. Who am I missing? I saw Story of the Year. This is all, and this year was bigger. It was two days, not just one day. And it's, mm-hmm. he's grown it from the old Club Zoo, which was it originally. It was at originally to Wild Things Park. It was at Highmark Stadium once. Um, but yeah, this past year, I already mentioned Bad Religion, Pennywise, Story of the Year, uh, State Champs, Jimmy World, All Time Low closed it. Um, that was just this year. So much fun to go to every year. He, in the past, he had Blink on the bill, Blink-182, but that was the one that got canceled in 2020. Um, he had The Offspring, but they dropped out the day of the show. Bands like Simple Plan. Um, just uh, the, store, the starting line is on every year, pretty much. There's a, bu- a bunch of fun stuff to it. If anyone has the time and the effort to see live music and loves the, con- or the festival atmosphere as well, it's not even mm-hmm. like a Coachella festival. It is... Like I said, a one-day warp tour. It's a ton of fun. It doesn't go on tour, but great stuff. Richie Ball, thank you for doing this yet again, and hopefully I'll see you next year because it's so much fun going to every year, and uh, it seemed to go. It seemed to fly a lot better than uh, – did we all forget that uh, When We Were Young Fest is still a thing? I-, I do remember you talking about that. There has been no publicity on it since. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like I do remember month. you talking about that. It, oh, I didn't even think it was supposed to have happened. Like, I thought it. I thought it was supposed to have already happened, and it didn't. No, it's supposed to be like in November, I think. Um, but yeah. yeah, big shout out to uh, <clears throat> Four Chord Music Festival and Richie Ball of Eternal Boy. Keep it coming. We love it. Never been to a music festival personally. Would like to go, 
but uh, never been to one. So. Start small, I'd say. Like with something like Four Accord, because those big ones seem a little extra. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, we'll see. When we were Young Fest, set for October 22nd, 23rd, and 29th. See, there's a Penguins game that day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my shout-out to end this show, I'm shouting out Minka. Minka Fitzpatrick of the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course, one of their safeties, got named AFC Defensive Player of the Week for Week 1 of the NFL season. 14 tackles, led the team, one pick six to start the game, one field goal block to keep the Steelers in the game at the end there. If not, they would have lost. Uh, this dude is so good and still so underrated. Like, when he came out from Alabama to Miami, people were saying, oh, he's going to be great. Didn't really get along in Miami. Came to Pittsburgh, immediately made an impact. Several touchdowns, several big plays, several interceptions, fumble recovery, stuff like that. And last season, people were saying, oh, okay, that was a that was a fluke. He's just, uh, he's an okay safety. Well, he wasn't. He was still amazing last year, despite only having two interceptions. The problem was, the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense was kind of crap when it came to up the middle. There's a reason they were the 32nd ranked out of 32 teams in rush defense last year. It's because... Devin Bush was bad. Big Bob Spillane, when he was healthy, was okay, but not great. Joe Schobert was a failed experiment. And both Tyson Oluolu and Stefan Tuitt were injured, which means the middle of their defensive line was decimated. So you know what they needed Minka Fitzpatrick to do? Step up and help stop the run. And guess what? He was probably one of their best and surefire tacklers last year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But now that they have Miles Jack in there, now that Oluolu is back, now that they have a guy like Larry Ogunjobi, who had a great game in week one, able to sit there and clog up the middle and stop the run on their own, Minka can free freewheeled a little bit. And you saw how early that paid off. The second play of the game, he just snipes Joe Burrow's pass, takes it all the way to the house, and takes that double, double bird from Jamar Chase and just says, guess what? We'll take the dub, you take those L's, and we'll see you guys in week 12. PFF did not rate him well. Then they rate him outside of the top 10, and yet he was <laughs> AFC Defense Player of the Week. PFF's a joke. Um, but, yeah, big big ups to big ups to Minka Fitzpatrick. Probably one of the most underrated defenders on our team because he has to always sit behind Cam Hayward and TJ Watt, by the way. Get well soon, TJ Watt. And, hey, how's Devin Bush looking? He looked good on he looked good on Sunday. Love it. So Love it. We'll this, see if... His defense is still we'll scary, but you know what? At least Minka's doing great. I you're right. It's good that he is able to free roam a little bit more. He is able to be a safety a little bit more. Yeah. And, man, Joe Shiesty. TJ Watt does not like that guy. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, there's a lot of extracurriculars between TJ Watt and Joe Burrow. Like, there, there's always extracurriculars, hand fighting, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But TJ Watt just happens to find himself alone next to Joe Burrow a lot, and Joe Burrow usually doesn't end up on his feet. There's something a little extra there. Like, T.J. Watt might not like quarterbacks, but there's something a little extra with T.J. Watt because, I mean, there was the random, like, last season, I think it was, where he just kind of tossed him around, throwing him to the ground after, like, way after the whistle, and I noticed him, that looks familiar, and I noticed him last week at one point just staring him down. Mm -hmm. There's a little something extra between T.J. Watt and Joe Burrow, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't, I don't, I don't either. I don't, some, somebody's going to have to ask him that question. But uh, nonetheless, I, I also think the schedule makers wanted to make things very interesting this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers, starting with three rivalry games right off the bat. Because at Cincinnati, who 
absolutely blew their doors off both games last year. So they, the Steelers start at Cincinnati, at home against the New England Patriots, where even though Tom Brady is not there, who are bad, it's, it, it's still a rivalry. Yeah. You know, th- this is what the first time since 1998 that Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady is not playing in a game between these two teams. You, it was Drew Bled, it was Drew Bledsoe and Cordell Stewart. Yes. the last time that these two teams played without either of those two guys in their line. Icons. And then next week is the Cleveland Browns. So you just three rivalry games to start the year. And then I think they play the Jets. So not a rivalry, not a great team. We'll see if if Zach Wilson's there, if it's Joe Fluco again. And then the Steelers have a really, really tough schedule. Like really, like isn't it? It's like Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Miami, just a bunch of really good teams that... We'll see how that goes. They, they might play the Chiefs or somebody from the AFC West in, in that little stint there, but it, it's going to be an interesting season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe they come out on top. Maybe they do. And if they don't, guess what? Penguin season starts today. It does. We're all good, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have 42 minutes till the start of practice. Obviously, we won't be there today. Horwat might be there tomorrow, so give him a follow on Twitter at NickHorwat41 to get some updates from rookie camp tomorrow and then next week we'll let you know when we're there and you can follow our socials to get updates from the actual preliminary training camp starting next thursday but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast we'll be back next week have a great weekend pens fans you can follow the hosts on twitter at nick horwatt 41 and at nick underscore berlansky you could also follow the show's twitter handle at iceberg podcast Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.